Hi, this is Tom Pasello, the ROI guy, and welcome to the Evolvers podcast. My guest today is Pete McChrystal. He's the CEO and founder of sales enablement firm Accent Technologies. I got to meet and know Pete several years ago when we helped Accent refine their business value messaging and financial justification. And today we're here to discuss how you can leverage customer intelligence, AI, and machine learning to drive predictable sales and sales growth. Welcome, Pete McChrystal. Hey, Tom, great to be with you today. Excellent. So you created Accent quite a while ago. Uh, In fact, I was surprised when I looked up the company history, I didn't think it was this long ago, but over 30 years ago, you created Accent. was the original mission you had for Accent the same as it is today? Actually, no, Tom. It's interesting. We just went through, uh, just passed our 30th mark in business. But uh, this, this month, as a matter of fact, we, um, we actually started um, back in 1990 as a service business, servicing a lot of the big uh, defense contractors, Harris, Grumman, uh, Boeing on the Space Coast, what we call the Space Coast along Florida here, along uh, Cape Canaveral and so forth. And we were doing a lot of multimedia back then, uh, creating slides, view graphs, and, uh, and, and then we transformed into software when one of my, uh, the CMO at uh, Harris challenged me to automate the presentation management process. And that's how we kind of made that transition in the late 90s. And we were able to get Adobe as our first customer. And uh, we kind of went on from there, Uh, got heavily into financial services. So that's how it it got started. Awesome. Now, you mentioned some of those military contractors. I also noticed you started your career as a military officer and graduated West Point. Um, And I can remember, man, almost like it was yesterday, the first day I visited uh, West Point, uh, was for a friend of mine, uh, her brother's graduation. And um, gosh, this was back, had to be in 81 or 82. And um, got to see Ronald Reagan speak, the uh, great communicator that he was. And he flew in in his helicopter. And I could remember just how beautiful the campus was. And, uh, and his speech is one that'll stick with me for a long time. But, you know, as a military leader, how has that kind of helped you create and lead, you know, your firm at, over at Accent, all of that military experience? That's great, great, interesting question. By the way, I was in the stands with you watching Ronald Reagan. I was oh, there. Were you? I, you were there? I, I, I graduated in 84, but I was, uh, I was there. I remember it. Oh, awesome. Were you a plebe in that class then? I was a, what we call a yearling. That's a, 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 a sophomore at that okay. point. Yeah, so in my second year. But uh yeah, so it it did. It was um it was it was great uh education, great training. You know, you got to lead people right out of school. You know, you get put in charge of uh 40, 40 grown people. And so you got to you got to grow up quickly and become a leader. Of course you're you're trained for that. But it did. It helped me a lot early in business, uh, just the, you know, you know, Tom, you've been through it, the, the perseverance and the, the confidence you have to have to keep going when things don't go as well in the early days. So I think it helped me from a leadership uh, perspective, how to treat people. And it also, uh, you know, just that perseverance to, 
you know, not, not, not give up, not quit. Absolutely. And to deal with changes, right, which are constant. The battlefield is constantly changing. The mission can sometimes change and reshape. The team sometimes runs into issues. And um, sales enablement has certainly not stayed the same. So you've been involved in sales enablement from the very beginning, uh, before it was even called sales enablement, as many of us were. Um, What's the biggest change that you've seen in our practice, in our space over the past decade? Well, I would say, you know, we got in about 2003 officially um, and really got into financial services. And as we went through the downturn in 2008, everything was still all about the content. And then we came out of the downturn. And, and I think that's when sales enablement really started to emerge as a market, you know, right after, you know, 2012, 2013. And very, very, as you know, very, very focused on content and content delivery, delivering the right content at the right time. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest change I've seen is this evolution and maturity as it starts to, and the analysts, you know, drive a lot of this, starts to uh, evolve into, hey, there's a lot more to selling than content. There's... Yep. You know, what are your reps doing? What are your reps saying? Um, how are they incentivized? So there's a lot of things that I think um, have changed. And I think sales enablement is seen quite differently and much more broadly today than in those early days. I'd say that's the biggest change I've seen. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. Now, we're at the cusp of another big catalyst, right, um, which is the coronavirus and the shutdown that we're experiencing and likely the hangover from that. And that could have a similar effect as to what happened in 2008 and 2009, where it can really disrupt and reshape our industry. What, what are your thoughts about that? Um, and I was on the, um, a podcast um, yesterday recording with uh, Scott Santucci, and he felt that exact way, that this is almost like a meteor hitting our marketplace, and that it was going to be very, very disruptive in terms of who ultimately remains. And, and moreover than that, what the focus is going to be of the customers and what they're ultimately trying to achieve. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you and Scott on this. I think it's going to be extremely disruptive. I think the players you see today may not be the players you see, as you say, when we get to the other side of this. And um, so I, I do think there'll be disruption. I think in terms of the, the, uh, how we deal with clients and um, how sales enablement is seen is also going to transform pretty quickly You know, with a remote the move to remote, um, uh, the need for sales enablement becomes uh, much more intense. Uh, so I think you're going to see um, systems like sales enablement systems really emerge. Uh, either either they're going to go away or they're going to emerge much stronger, much more in demand. Absolutely. And you mentioned the, the need for remote. I know uh, us like you, you must have clients that are still uh, printing brochures at times, uh, even out of the content management system, right out of the uh, sales enablement system that are still printing brochures. I know there's companies out there that still sell from paper-based catalogs that they have to keep up to date. Um, you can't use those catalogs if you're not visiting the customer anymore. And then even modern um, 
sales enablement platforms in a lot of ways aren't being used maybe the best way to in create an incredible remote selling experience. Um, talk a little bit about that. I know there's customers that haven't even taken that first step and then others that have taken steps but still aren't optimized for remote selling. What do you think makes a great remote experience? Well, I think it's, you know, there's so many sales forces out there that are going through this shock and awe right now. And they will quickly uh, have to transform and pivot to using these sales enablement systems to deliver content digitally um, in a personalized way and all that. And I think they're going to quickly see the value of being able to deliver digitally with personalized pieces of content and materials. Um, and then some of the things that you just don't get with printed pieces like the tracking, mm -hmm. the ability to you know, provide a good personalized microsite for a, for a buyer and then be able to track their um, views so that you can follow up when it's convenient for the buyer instead of when it's convenient for the seller. So I think we're going to see a great transformation here in the appreciation and use of these types of systems. And I think you're, you're so right. One is the ability for the seller to kind of create an incredibly personalized dynamic experience and then to follow up with customers uh, from the remote uh, online meeting uh, with follow-ups, sending them that material. And then the ability to track it, I think is important. A lot of campaigns are gonna be created post this shock and hangover that we experience, how do you know whether those campaigns are working or not? How do you know if that new sales content that you created to help uh, pitch the new solutions or to message to the new challenges, how do you know that's even working or not? Um, unless you have this kind of visibility, whether customers are consuming it, who they're sharing with, etc. So, um, you know, I think the, the tracking and the data is going to be essential. And that leads me to my next question. You know, there's such a focus on data and with sales enablement, you've got much more customer intelligence, uh, especially when you could integrate the sales enablement system with CRM. Discuss some of the ways you've seen customers leverage the insights that join between sales enablement and CRM. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the biggest drivers of sales success, I think it's well known, I'm probably preaching the obvious, is, you know, where they spend their time. And so I think one of the biggest things uh, is creating that great customer experience, but with the right customers, the right prospects, the right buyers. So focusing, understanding how people are responding to the content, who's looking at it, so, so on and so forth is critically important in helping reps, especially B2B reps, understand where they got to focus and spend their time. And I, I really think the data and understanding the buyer engagement data really helps uh, do that to much greater degree than we, we've seen in the past. And then by tying in with CRM, uh, you can understand how the needle is being moved, right? What content is being used in what deals to drive next steps and success? Um, who is being engaged and what the impact is? Is, is Are win rates being approved? Are um, win rates um, increasing? Competitive uh, deals being won, et cetera. So talk a little bit about how 
you can use um, kind of the join between the two, the CRM data where you're, you've got visibility into what the deal is all about, what stage it's at, and the, um, the ultimate um, move the needle type metrics, how long the deal took to close, deal size, and win rates, and knowing what content was used, what was shared. Yes, no, that's, that's a topic near and dear to our hearts here. So it is critical that there's this uh, mesh between content usage and delivery of, of effective messaging to, to buyers, and then understanding what impact that has. And so we're starting to use a lot of um, what we call our, our sales operating system, which is an AI-driven um, platform that helps us ingest CRM data, a lot of the buyer activity data like uh, email and calendaring. And we can, with that data, paint a clear picture of the sales situation and what's, what's going on. So what that allows us to do is when a piece of content is delivered, we don't have to wait till the end of the cycle to say, well, the content was used on week three and on week 26, there was a win. Mm -hmm. uh, we can get much more precise about the effectiveness. Did it generate a response from the buyer via email? Did it generate another meeting? Did it generate forward movement or, or milestone achievement in the sales process? So that meshing between CRM data and uh, use of content from a sales enablement platform, very critical very critical. I love it that you're able to kind of give visibility in those interstitial results because like you said some of these sales cycles are so long you can't wait to the end to know whether you're progressing and having success. Yes Tom I, I would say that it's interesting instead of looking at you know the win we're looking at hey did the content produce a first down mm -hmm. did it produce forward movement rather than you know the ultimate win. Yeah, I completely agree. And then I, I think the other thing that's really important with the CRM integration is now that we're in perhaps a tougher economic time with the hangover, what we need to look at is are the deals that are being forecasted, are they actually going to close? What's the credibility of those? And I think that's going to be very hard for sellers to know and estimate, and I think harder for the managers and executives to understand what is real and what is not in this changed world. Do you want to talk to that a little bit? Yes, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. It is going to get uh, much more difficult, especially with the remote. You can't look somebody in the eye as much. Uh, you can do it over web conference, of course, but mm -hmm. I think the critical factors here are what we call buyer engagement data really understanding when a seller does something, how do the buyers respond? Uh, do they send an email back? Do they uh, agree to a meeting? So I think being able to understand digitally or, or with data, the sales situation and visualize that for reps and managers. And let me give you a, for instance, you know, let's take two deals. Mm -hmm. One where you're talking to one buyer and you've had several conversations, it kind of moves horizontally uh, versus another deal where you've progressively had more uh, higher level personas enter the equation and attend meetings. Mm -hmm. We're focused on visualizing the difference between those two. And obviously the second one is where you want to be. You want to see that positive movement with more buyers, higher level personas, entering the picture, engaging, 
joining meetings, responding to emails. Um, and you can easily now forecast which one of those is likely to move forward and close this quarter. Yep. And so that's what we're focused on. And I think one of the things that you're tracking there are how many roles are engaged, um, what the level of those roles are. I think one of the critical things that are coming up, particularly because there could be layoffs and um, reductions in force at some of the customers that, that um, our customers are all dealing with, um, it's going to be really important to not just have one person engaged or two people engaged in that organization. It's important to have several different stakeholders engaged and make sure they're at the right level, right? To make sure that deal can actually move. Absolutely. And I think that's the, one of the great things that uh, these systems, you know, with a little bit of very focused AI can do for you is that sell, you know, go through all that pile of data, uh, the buyer engagement data and surface those situations like you just mentioned and tell somebody, reach out and say, hey, rep or manager, got a situation here. You better look at this as a human and figure out what to do. Yep. And so I think that's just, we look at it as like being a good caddy on the golf course, doing what machines do well, letting them do that. And then the, the humans do what they do, do well, which is solve the problem completely agree. So, and you also mentioned a little bit of prioritization uh, a couple of times sprinkled in there, but we really didn't go down that path. And I'd love to go down that path with you now. Um, I think that we're going to, many of us are going to have sales forces that are constrained. Well, we might've lost a few people through this uh, crisis and into the hangover. Um, it's going to be it's essential that the sellers that do remain are spending as much time with customers as they can, and they're spending that time with the right customers. Talk to that a little bit of how data, AI, machine learning can help in that area. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely crucial. And what machines can do well are AI systems, if they're configured properly, um, can really go through and help you determine buyer intent and separate those buyers and customers that are really engaging and investing time in the relationship, in progressing the deal forward versus those that aren't. And we've all been, uh, as tellers, we've all been part of that, you know, column in a spreadsheet dragged along by the buying team just, just so procurement can check the box. And it's very important for sellers to understand where they are and what, what's in the mindset of the buyers. And AI can help by calculating the number of people involved, the persona levels involved, how much time investment uh, the buying team is making, because you really, you can't fake that. And as a buyer, either you're going to invest time in this vendor or you're not. Yep. And if you are, people today are so busy, buyers, just, they're not going to invest time with vendors that they don't intend to move forward with. So the AI can really give you a lot of great insight and help you determine which deals to focus on and which ones to, to let go because, you, you know, their, their intent is not really. Yeah, really if they're there. not spending the time that's the, you know, uh, to a similar benchmark of a similar deal, 
um, if they're not spending that much time, then you know you're not on the short list and they're spending likely more time with the preferred vendor. Um, and by the way, those numbers are low. Uh, you're right in pointing them out, Pete. In a buying decision, of all the time they spend on a decision, only 17% is dedicated to vendors. And if you're one of the, the vendors that are in there, maybe it's 5% to maybe 6 or 7% of the time that they spend is actually with the vendors. The rest is spent internally. So we've got one shot to get it right with these buyers. And um, it's really important that we arm our sellers with the ability to get it right and that we're tracking that time to understand that buyer's intent, which I absolutely love as a way to know whether we should be spending more time with them, less time with them, and a good indication of that buyer intent. So what is the one piece of advice with all your experience, all your training, military background, running Accent for 30 years, being in sales enablement before it wasn't even sales enablement, we've kind of got this interesting time that's on the horizon. And I'd love for you to give our evolvers one uh, piece of advice you'd like to leave them with today. You bet, Tom. I'm going to break that into three pieces of advice, but I'll be quick. Um, the first thing is I, I would say, hey, AI um, is so powerful, we can't ignore it anymore. You got to get on this bandwagon. And uh, the second piece of advice I say, if you do that, or when you do that, you need to do that, is make sure the AI helps with data capture. We made, the, we made this mistake years ago and thinking that CRM was going to have enough data in there to analyze it. It wasn't there. So we ended up you know, false starting and had to redesign the entire uh, platform. Mm -hmm. um, but the third piece is I'd say when you start, don't try to boil the ocean, so to speak. Pick some very specific problems that you really want to solve and focus on those. Sounds good. So don't ignore AI. Focus on data capture and collection first and kind of automating those manual tasks so you've got the data to work on, right? And that it's good uh, integrity of that data. And then don't boil the ocean kind of work, I think, uh, like on specific use cases or specific problems that you're trying to solve with it, right? That's exactly right. Awesome. Pete, it was amazing catching up with you today and learning from all your experience. How can folks reach out to you online if they want to learn more? If they want to uh, learn more about Accent Technologies, you can go to our website, which is uh, accent-technologies, plural, .com. And love to, love to hear from anybody and uh, help, help guide uh, uh, your journey towards uh, sales enablement and the use of AI. And we'll provide the audience with your LinkedIn address, Pete, so they can reach out to you as well. Again, thank you again. Thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure.